watched that video and you're asking yourself the question, did the pastor want to scare the daylights out of us? And the answer to that is no, quite the opposite. What I want to do today is I want to show you how the scripture is given to us not only to guide us and instruct us about how we should live our lives from day to day, how we can get this life right, but the Bible is also a book of prophecy that tells us what is to come in the days ahead. One of the things that I have learned to love about the Word of God is is its accuracy and how it tells us clearly what's happening in the days ahead. And so if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to take them out and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37 and just have it there ready to go as a reference. Now I'm going to tell you this. Um, most of most of what we what we recognize as the unfolding of God's plans is centered in Israel. A lot of people don't realize that. In fact, there are some who would be what we call revisionist theologians that would say that, uh, in fact, the the Israelites lost their special favor when they rejected Christ. We do not believe that. We believe that they are still God's chosen people. And we believe that, that God has a very special plan for, for the people of Israel. In fact, we see within the Israelites, uh, or within the Israelite people, we see the unfolding of God's plan. And these, this unfolding of his plan is a special markers that show us or tell us what's happening, what's going on in terms of God's timeline. Now, everybody here today knows you're not going to live forever. How many know that? You're, some of us, uh, we haven't got that much time left, uh, and that's a depressing thought in and of itself. Uh, but one of the things you'll recognize about Christianity is that it is a faith, that, and same with Judaism, it is a faith that deals with eternity, that teaches us to understand that this life is temporal, that we're, we live for a while and then it's all over. And for some of us, we wonder, where did the time go? How did it go by so quick? Anybody know what I'm talking about today? It just, it just seems like yesterday that I was getting my driver's license and getting my first speeding ticket. <laughs> and, uh, and having my first accident and my second accident, uh, which were very close together. It just seems like yesterday. The fact of the matter is, this life goes by so quick, and you begin to recognize that there is obviously more to life than the few years that we have on this earth. I want us to go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet and a priest uh, who lived probably a little over 2,500 years ago, and he gave this prophecy that we're speaking about today back at the time that Israel was in exile. Now, let me just quickly give you a, a bit of background here. Israel, the nation of Israel, actually went through a division in the year 931 B.C. It, there was 12 tribes, but, but most of them broke apart. And um, it was called the, the Northern Kingdom. And it was, actually took the name of Israel. And then the other part of the kingdom was called Judah. This kingdom was, was split up because of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. Now, I've got to remind everybody, Israel is called the chosen people. They're called the people of God. And God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people as an inheritance, the Bible says, forever. 
And it's, it's one of the covenants that is without exception or uh, without condition. It's your land. It's going to be your land forever. And in fact, we read this um, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 8. And God says this to, to Abraham. He says, And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner to you, as your descend, uh, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Now, something strange happens. The children of Israel sin against God, and God actually evicts them from the land. They go into exile. And if you know your history, you'll know that, that the northern kingdom of Israel was, was taken over by the Assyrians, and then finally Judah went into exile by the Babylonians. The people were wondering, God, have you rejected us? Have you forgotten about us? Is there any hope? And God sends along this great prophet who speaks the prophetic word to tell the people of Israel what is to come. So, let me just say this by way of introduction. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the Ezekiel prophecy, and particularly uh, Ezekiel 37, 38, 39. Today will be Ezekiel 37. And by the way, can I remind you that uh, I cannot read the whole chapter in a service today, but I'm going to encourage you to get your Bibles and read through this, this prophecy, Ezekiel 37, 38, 39. And here's something else that you need to check when you read th- Ezekiel 37. Check Revelation 20 to 22. Um, you will see the parallels between chapter 37 of Ezekiel and Revelation 20 to 22. The, the parallels, the resurrection, um, the land, the, the covenant renewal, and a unified people of God. Take a look at that. You'll be amazed at how this prophecy, these prophecies, which are uh, about 500 or 600 years apart, how closely they resemble each other. Now listen to this. The great sign... The great sign of the end of the age is found in, uh, in what Ezekiel tells us in Ezekiel 37, 21. Let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. And here's what God says through Ezekiel to the people of Israel, who remember, who, who've given up hope and feel that God has rejected them and forgotten about them. Here's what Ezekiel says uh, as, as God's messenger. He says, And give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations, and I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. We call that the diaspora. In fact, if you, if you do some re- simple research, go, uh, go to Google, in fact, uh, Wikipedia. And you will see that the Jewish people were literally spread out throughout the world, literally, as, as it says here, scattered everywhere. And only, only about 0.2% of the, the world Jewish population was actually located in, in Israel around the beginning of the 1800s. Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. Some of you are visiting here today. For some of you, going to church is a new experience. And you're thinking, what on earth have I got myself into? Okay, don't panic. Just relax. And let me just tell you why it's important for you to know this. You're seeing things happening on the news every day, every night. And you might be tempted to be afraid, to be fearful. In fact, you watched the video clip and maybe something inside of you felt fearful. I'm going to tell you something. God knew before any of these events were happening and were going to happen, that they were going to happen. And he wants us to know, to know these things so that we understand that he's sovereign, that he's in control, and you can trust him. In fact, he wants you to turn your focus upon him and learn to trust him with your future. 
So we see right now, we see, has anybody been watching the news, what's happening in Greece right now? Uh, it's particularly interesting to Gloria and myself because we actually lived there for uh, three and a half years. And I lived in Athens before I got married for a year before that. It's absolutely shocking to see what's going on. There's a rise of what, what, what the Greeks themselves are calling a, like a neo-Nazi party. We're seeing the possibility of the collapse of that economy. And, and, and everybody understands that if that economy collapses, it will be a domino effect, and we will see all of Europe affected by this economic crisis. In fact, it won't just be Europe that will be affected. It will be the United States. And if anybody thinks that Canada has got a super strong economy, we'll be affected as well. How many understand that today? The world is in crisis right now. Has anybody been listening to the news and listening to, the, listening to the leader of Israel speak about the red line? Anybody hear about that? And what he's talking about is where, where will you, the United Nations draw the, the line and say, okay, Iraq, you've gone far enough, it's got to stop. Or Iran, pardon me. Where, where is it going to stop? Iran right now is positioned and ready to bomb Iran as a matter of, of national defense, of security. Iran has been very clear that they're ready to blow Israel off the map. In fact, every nation surrounding Israel has said something to that effect. We are living in perilous times and even frightening times. We're seeing Syria. We're seeing what's happening in Syria right now, this tremendous civil war taking place. And we're seeing uh, nations like Iran and Russia stand by the Syrian government saying, hey, what's wrong? Everything's fine. Even though uh, people are being slaughtered by the thousands by this corrupt regime. What's happening? What does the Bible say about that? We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. We're going to see how... The events that are unfolding before us right now have been prophesied in the scriptures, and we'll be looking at that over the next several weeks. The reason you need to know this, even if you're not a churchgoer, even though this might be new to you, you need to know this so that you understand that God is sovereign, that he's in charge, he knows what he's doing, he's real. Okay, so let's move along here now. Uh, So God says this to the children of Israel. One day you are going to be uh, gathered back to your homeland. You're going to be gathered from amongst the nations, and you will be brought home. Jesus tells us this when the disciples ask him, uh, what will be the signs of the end of the age? Jesus goes on to say there will be earthquakes, there will be famines, there will be wars. And then he goes on to say this. He says, notice the fig tree. In Luke 21, uh, verse 29, Jesus gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you will know without being told that summer is near. Jesus says that this is the great marker of the end of the age, when Israel is reborn. Now remember, Israel has been out of commission, has not been, not been a sovereign nation for almost 2,500 years. And Jesus is saying, when the leaves come out, then you'll know without being told that the summer is near. And so I want you to understand today that the establishment or the establishing of Israel as a sovereign nation, the establishing of Israel as as a sovereign state is the great sign. It is the major sign of the end of the times, of the end of the age. It's it's the beginning of what we call the messianic age, or the rule of Christ on earth. Now, I want to just uh, 
I want to point out something to you, really, really important. And it, 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 it's, it may sound a bit complex, it's not. So just listen carefully. In Ezekiel chapter 4, we see Ezekiel doing something very strange. In fact, if you read the book of Ezekiel, he does a lot of strange things. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You read that book and you think, wow, this is, these are some strange things he's doing here. And one of the things is he's lying on his side for 390 days. And uh, uh, he, he's not moving. And, and then he goes and lays on his other side for, for 40 days. Now, what we discover is that the 390 days where he's lying on one side represents 390 years of punishment that Israel will experience because they've rejected God. Remember, the land of Israel was given to the people of Israel as their inheritance. Why? What is God's plan? And here's, I want the Spirit of God to speak to everybody here today because you need to understand this. God has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for believers. And that, that is that we be light to this world so that God could be known through us. But listen, that was exactly why God established the kingdom of Israel, or the people of Israel, so that they would be a light to the nation, so that people could come to know God through his people. But you see, the people of Israel, they weren't interested in being a light to the world. They weren't interested in God's plan or God's purpose. So they said, we're not, we, we, we're not participating. In fact, the Bible says they started worshiping other gods. In fact, they, the Bible says they forgot about God altogether. And they started doing the, the heinous and the pagan things that the people were doing before Israel ever got to that land. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart today because there's a message not just for Israel, but for us as well. You've been redeemed. You have been, you've been saved from your old life into a new life so that not only not only would you enjoy the abundant life and the eternal life that God promises but God saved you so that you'd be a light to this broken and hurting world God loves this broken hurting world how many know that today and you are the ones that God wants to use to bring hope to this broken and hurting world that's our job our problem, like the people of Israel, and this is, this is common to all of us, our problem is that we forget God's agenda and we only remember or think of our own agenda. We forget that God wants to use us. We forget about the broken. We forget about the hurting. We forget about the needy. And it's at that moment that God withdraws his blessing. So God says to the children of Israel, look, you, you've got to... You've, you, you've got to be fulfilling the plan that I have for you. And so we, we see God pronouncing judgment upon Israel. And so for 430 years, they would be forced outside of their land. Now, an amazing thing happens. Remember, Israel, the, the last of Israel goes into Babylonian captivity. But in the year 590, uh, 539 B.C., Cyrus comes along. And he conquers the Babylonians and, and amazingly says to the, to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, you may go back to your homeland. Now, you would think that everybody would recognize, wow, God has done a miracle. He's opened the way for us to return to our homeland. Wow. And some of the very devout Jewish people say, well, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm going home. I'm going back to, I'm going back to my homeland. But guess what? The majority of the people said this. They said, nah, we like it where we are. It's comfortable here. We don't want to go back to that, to that place, broken walls and ruins. 
We'll have to build a new life for ourselves. We'll have to find a new school for the kids. Uh, we'll have to find a real estate agent to help us find a property. You know, it's too much hassle. We'll stay where we are. They did not want to return to the land of their inheritance. And so God says, for that, you will be judged further. In other words, God says, since you don't want the land, since you don't want to return to your land, the day is coming when you will be desperate for your land. And so we read that after 70 years of captivity, the people don't want the land God gave them. Now, here's what we discover. God multiplies the last, remember, their, their, the, the total years of judgment was supposed to be 430 years. They, they lived out 70, so they've got 360 years of, of exile to go. Watch this. They don't want to go back, and God says, because of that, we'll, we're going to multiply it times 7. 360 times 7, that's how long you're going to be away from your land. You say, where do you get the 7 multiplied times 7? Well, it's simple. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. And four times God says that we'll multiply it times 7. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the amazing thing, people. From the, time, from the time of 536 B.C., you multiply 360 times 7. And guess what? It's going to take you directly to 1948. The end of the punishment. And Israel now is allowed to go back home. Absolutely stunning. This is, this is God at work. Let there be no mistake that there's a sovereign God who is orchestrating what's happening in the world today. I'm telling you this, folks, so that you will not be afraid of what's happening on TV. When you're, not, you're not afraid of what's going on in the world around you. God is sovereign. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. And he wants you to trust him. Now, look at this. In 1948, were the people desperate for their homeland? Tell me that right now. Absolutely. In 530, uh, 536 B.C., when Cyrus said you may go home, they said, nah, we don't want that land. But by, 48 BC, by, for, by 40, 1948 A.D., the, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, said, yeah, we, we really want to go home. We really do want our homeland. And that was the beginning of the birth of of modern, the modern state of Israel. Some would say, well, that was a coincidence. If that's a coincidence, my friends, then uh, there's no point reading that Bible. God orchestrated this. He opened the way for Israel to return to their homeland. Now listen to this. Let's go on further here. Not only did Israel become a homeland in 1948, the day that the United Nations declared that Israel was a sovereign state. On that day, five countries surrounding Israel attacked. Did you know that? Five countries attacked. Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, and Lebanon. Now, in Israel at this time, we've, we've got maybe 600,000 people. 600,000 people, 600,000, not million, 600,000 Versus 20 million people represented by those five countries. Now, would you say that was a fair fight? 20 million against 600,000? It's not a fair fight, is it? Five armies against one brand new army that just got established? Look at God. This is something you need to understand. God wants to reveal his glory to the world so that everybody knows beyond a shadow of a doubt who God is. 
How many know that you plus God are a majority? You plus God, you can do anything. And you can overcome anything. We read on. Israel defeats those five armies. And not only do they defeat the five armies, folks, listen to this. They're, the area that is allotted to them now has increased by 50% because they have overcome their enemies. Look at Israel did not do the attacking. They were attacked. We read on 1967. Some of you remember the, the Six-Day War. I was just five years old. I remember it. I remember it because I remember my parents talking about the end of the world. And it was for a five-year-old, it's quite shocking to hear your parents talk about the end of the world. My parents were were very, very upset, and I'm telling you, uh, glued to the television, watching to see what was going on. Now, here's what happened. 1967, Israel came under attack. Everybody thought, this is it, Israel's done. But in six days, Israel defended itself and literally wiped out the surrounding uh, air forces of the countries around them. And they seized additional territory. And then in 1973, Israel was attacked by Egypt and Syria. And once again, Israel just defended itself. And Israel was so successful that they actually went right into, into Egypt and actually captured territory belonging to Egypt. And it was at that time the whole world said, foul, foul. But some of you remember that. I remember it. And the United Nations actually had to tell Israel, give back some of that land. Give back that land to Egypt that you just got in defending yourself. There's no way, people, there's no way that Israel should have won or that Israel should have been able to overcome. But listen to me. Because God is sovereign, because God has a plan, because God knows what he's doing, because God has a special plan for this world, and particularly for Israel, we understand that God is sovereign and is in control. And you have nothing to be afraid of. That you have nothing to be afraid of, that is, if you have put your faith in Christ. We read on further, and this is, again, just amazing stuff. We read that President Gorbachev, in 1989, Gloria and I were in Egypt, at the t- or in, uh, in, in Greece at the time, listening to the radio every day because something great was about to happen. happen. The, the, the Iron Curtain fell. How many remember that, 1989? And uh, not only did it fall, but Gorbachev now allowed the Jewish people who were living in, in the, in the uh, USSR to actually leave the country and go back to the land of Israel. Now, how significant is this? Hugely. Let me just give you an example. There were Jews living in Yemen for 2,000 years. And from 1949 to 1951, they became... Uh, they came under attack by the Yemen people. And, and, and because of what was happening in this new state of Israel... For the first time in history, we watched a whole Jewish population be transplanted from Yemen into Israel. In fact, they called it Operation Magic Carpet. That's a nice, nice catchy ring to it. And 48,000 Jewish people airlifted out of Yemen and brought into Israel. Folks, I want you to recognize something today. This is the major sign of the end of the age, the establishment of 
a homeland is the state of Israel. Now, just to give you some perspective, back in 1840, of the, the world Jewish population, only 0.2% lived in Israel. 99.8% lived around the world. By 1939, just before the war broke out, 2.79% of the Jewish population, population lived in Israel, and 97.2% lived in the rest of the world. Today, 44% of the world Jewish population lives in Israel. And the rest live mostly in the United States, another 70% elsewhere. But they are returning by the day, by the week, by the month. My own father-in-law joined in an operation back a few years ago. Uh, I think it was called the Exodus, the Exodus uh, Ministry, that goes in and helps Jewish people prepare to leave their home, leave, leave their, the land of their forefathers and return to the land of Israel. And we're watching, we're watching literally thousands and thousands of people be transplanted. Now, I'm going to say this to you today. The fact that this is happening is, a, is a, in fact, a modern-day miracle. God's plan is without doubt to establish a homeland for Israel. And this, my friends, listen to this carefully, this is the beginning of the Messianic age. And so look what, look what Ezekiel goes on to tell the people of Israel. In Ezekiel 37, verse 24, he says, My servant David will be their king, and they will have only one shepherd. They will obey my regulations and be careful to keep my decrees. Now, can I just remind everybody, it's not the literal David. It is... Someone from the line of David. Remember, God said that David's throne will last forever. The interesting thing is if you read your, you read your Bible, and particularly the book of Matthew, you'll see that Matthew takes great pains to make it clear that Jesus is a descendant of King David. That, that Jesus is the king of the line of David. Ezekiel sees this 2,500 years out. He says, or, or yeah, for us it's 2,500 years, 500 years out from, from the time that Ezekiel made that prophecy to the time it actually uh, began. Jesus came to this earth, as you know, and he will be returning again. This is the mark of the second coming. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, this is far out there. But it's what you need to understand. We, as Christians, are looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Now, just stop and think for a moment. Would anybody agree with me that we are in need of a Messiah today? Would you not say that we need a world government? How many world leaders right now have said, just off the cuff, boy, if there was a world leader that would arise right now, we would follow him. What the world right now needs right now is a world leader. And so here it is. You can just sit right in the front row, guys. We're getting ready for a baby dedication shortly. Get right, right up here, bud. We're just about done. Ezekiel tells us that Jesus is coming. It's the, it's the mark of the new age. 
Now, some of you might be tempted to be afraid, and Jesus says this to the disciples when they ask, When's the mark of the, what's the mark or the sign of the last days? Here's what Jesus says. He says, don't be afraid. He says, and when these things happen begin and begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. This is a mark, my friends. What's happening around us right now, what's happening right now in the Middle East, are the signs of what is to come that was prophesied 2,500 years ago. You do not need to be afraid, but rather, as Jesus says, look up. Look for Christ's return. Your redemption draws now. I'm going to share just one verse and we'll close. And, and here's, what, here's what Ezekiel says. God says, to, God says through his prophet, he says, I will make my home among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy. My friends, God is about to establish the messianic kingdom. It could happen any time now. But what you and I need to know is as long as our hearts are right with God, as long as we have made our peace with Christ, as long as we put our faith in Him, you've got nothing to be afraid of. But know this, God loves you, He's in control, He knows what He's doing. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, when we think of what's happening around us, We're tempted to be afraid. But God, your word tells us clearly that we're not to be afraid. But in fact, we're supposed to be excited because these signs, these things that are happening around us are signs of the end of days. Father, we pray right now that you give us the courage and the peace of heart and the peace of mind to trust you, to know, Lord, that we need not be afraid. You have warned us in advance. God, there's some here right now who who have maybe who are living in fear, maybe have lost their hope. God, we do know this that you do allow difficulties in our lives to cause us to turn to you. You allow us to go through difficult uh, struggles, difficult times, so that we would stop and consider where we're at, consider the condition of our heart. You're causing us right now, Lord, to turn to you and to look to you for. Uh, for the help and the strength and the guidance in this life. Father, we pray right now that you would give us the wisdom to trust you, the wisdom to depend on you, the wisdom to look to you for all that we need. And so we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And for those of you who would like to stay behind for the baby dedication, we invite you to do so. Uh, If you need to slip away, you can do that right now. But we're going to watch the videos, the quick uh, blessing their children, committing them to God. And we as a church, as a congregation, are going to stand behind them and help them in that process. So I'm going to ask Dallin Flo if you'll come right now with the kids. And then if you would ask those who are going to be... uh, what you might want to call godparents to come and stand with you. That would be great. Just stand with me right here. Yeah, right here is perfect. Just stand and face me. It's great. Okay, and it's some on this side, some on that side. 
That's that's super. Good. What's that? Just let me just uh, quickly remind you that the, the, the practice of blessing children or dedicating children is, uh, is really an ancient practice. We see Hannah dedicating little Samuel to the Lord. We see Joseph and Mary dedicating Jesus to the Lord, blessing him. And uh, I want to read to you this passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy where God makes it very clear to his people, how it is that they are to raise their children. And God says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. So I want to just remind everybody, uh, this is not a baby baptism. This is a a baby blessing, a baby dedication. Uh, This... This ceremony, if you want to call it that, is more for the parents' benefit and ultimately for the children's benefit. But really, it's it's about your purpose and what you want for your kids. And I believe that, Dal and Flo, you really want these children to grow up to serve God. You want to give them every opportunity so that they can have a great life, so that their life can even be better than your life has been. And so... I'm just so excited as your pastor to be part of this special presentation. And I want to remind you that as, as the parents of these dear children, um, your job is to always be the ones to take the initiative and in making sure that you've got a right relationship with them. It's not their job to take the initiative. You're the parents. You take the initiative in making sure that your relationship with your kids is what it needs to be, that, that they know that you love them, that they know that you care for them, that you give them the instruction that they need, that you are the parents, that they don't lead you, you lead them. Does that make sense? Is that clear? That's your responsibility. And it's your responsibility to make sure that they get to church every Sunday, that they get to Sunday school, that they get all the teachings and all the benefits of the church. And so I'm just, uh, I'm just so excited that you feel the, the commitment and, and feel the sense of responsibility as parents. And I know that God will bless you for that. And so I would like you just to answer, uh, we will or we do, uh, after I ask you these questions. And then I've got questions for the godparents and then as well for the congregation. And so let me ask you, Dell and Flo, if it be your intention to present this child, Nina Rose Laquette. Come on, sit over here, sweetheart. Can I pick you up so everybody can see you? Is that okay? Ready? Yep, we go. Can everybody see Nina Rose? Can you wave at everybody? Can you smile at everybody? That's it. Okay. You happy? Good. Okay, so I'm going to ask your parents some questions, all right? Is that okay? Okay, here we go. It would be your intention to present this child, Nina Rose Laquette, to the Lord and pledge yourselves to bring her up in the training, instruction, and discipline of our Lord. Please answer we do to the following questions. Will you choose this day to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength by living his words authentically? Do you accept responsibility as your child's primary faith influencer to impress the truth of and love of God on your child as you live together? Will you love this child with the unconditional love of Christ? Will you pray for your child 
and ask and help your child know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Okay. And to the godparents, let me ask you this. Will you accept the role of godparent and pray for this child and family regularly? Will you also serve as a lifelong spiritual mentor and accountability partner, holding the parents and godchild true to their commitment to love, follow, and obey the ways of Christ? And to the congregation, if you would answer, I will, to these questions. Will you partner with these parents by praying for them as they lead their children spiritually? Will you partner with these parents by teaching their children at church and modeling a a Christ-like life in support of what the parents are teaching and modeling? Good. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you right now for little Nina Rose. We thank you, God, for her great parents that really wanted to train her and help her to serve you and to follow you. We pray, God, that you would put your hand of blessing upon her, even as her parents bless her, and make, it, make her know that she is loved and cared for. We pray that her parents would have the wisdom to train Nina Rose to follow you. We pray that her parents would have the grace and the strength to teach and guide her. And we commit Nina Rose to you right now. And we thank you for the blessing that her parents have put together for her. And so, God, right now, we are praying that blessing upon her. From Ephesians three seventeen to 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You did a good job. Good job. Okay. So I've got a bit of a struggle here with my foot, and I thank you for your patience. And now little Olivia. If it be your intention to present this child, Olivia Jennifer Leanna Sutton, to the Lord and pledge yourselves to bring her up in the training, instruction, and discipline of our Lord, Please answer, we do to the following promises. Will you choose this day to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength by living his words authentically? We do. Do you accept responsibility as your child's primary faith influencer to impress the truth and love of God on your child as you live together? We do. Will you love the Lord or love this child with the unconditional love of Christ? We do. And will you pray for your child to, to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And to the godparents, will you accept the role of godparent and pray for this child and family regularly? And will you also serve as a lifelong spiritual mentor and accountability partner, holding the parents and godchild true to their commitment to love, follow, and obey the ways of of Christ? And to the congregation, will you partner with these parents by praying for them as they lead their children spiritually? And will you partner with these parents by teaching their children at church and modeling a Christ-like life in support of what the parents are teaching and modeling? Can everybody see little Olivia there? Say hi. No? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this little life. We thank you that she's got a fantastic start to her life. Her parents love you, and her parents 
have made this decision today to bless their child, bless little Olivia, and commit her to you. We pray, God, that you would be with her, keep her safe, keep her strong, keep her healthy. And we pray, God, that she would grow to know you and love you and serve you all the days of her life. Give her parents the wisdom and the strength that they need to love you and to serve you. And in so doing, train their children to do the same. And so we commit this whole family to you right now, thanking you for your goodness and for your love. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. And I want to just, uh, I just want to pray a little blessing that uh, the parents have put together for Olivia, a special hand-picked blessing from 1 Samuel 1, And it says, Now I'm giving you to the Lord, and you will belong to the Lord your whole life. Amen. Amen. Okay, we have a special box that we want to present to your family. And in this box, we call it the faith, the faith chest. In this box are some of the special things that your children are going to get along, along the way in their, in their faith journey. And uh, with it will be the certificate of dedication today with a picture of the children. And um, their first Bible will go in there. And all the awards and rewards that they get from the children's programs. Uh, it all goes in the box, and I encourage you to keep this not as a toy box, but as a special box that has the keepsakes of their spiritual journey. And we're just so excited that we can present that to you. So, Jenna, if you do that, Jenna works in our nursery caring for the family's babies, so we thank God for her. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, as we end the service now, we thank you that talking about things like prophecy and, and what's happening in the end of days. It just seems, uh, seems hopeless when we look at the future. But God, the thing that we learn in your word is that your word's full of hope and full of instruction and guidance. And, and these parents don't have to be afraid because they put their trust in you. And so we pray, God, as they raise these children to serve you and to follow you, God, that you would keep your hand upon them and give them the strength and peace that they need to do a job and do it well. And we commit Dal and Flo to you and their children and this little family. And we as a congregation stand behind them, with them, and we'll do all that we can to help them in their faith journey. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? God bless you. We'll see you next week.